0: For show notes from this episode, visit SustainableAmbition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Welcome back, everyone. I am so excited to be joined today by Dr. Luis Velasquez. Let me properly introduce you to Luis. Luis is an executive coach who focuses on helping leaders accelerate learning, change, and growth. To do that, he helps leaders and teams better understand what their organization defines as a success profile and how others perceive them relative to that profile. By integrating these two components, he is able to help leaders and teams achieve a positive, sustainable, and measurable result at a personal, interpersonal, and organizational level. Luis is an HBR Ascent contributor, has written for Fast Company, and is a Stanford University facilitator. He is also an avid endurance athlete and a brain tumor survivor. He's completed over 100 marathons and ultramarathons, several Ironman triathlons, and cycling events. So some may recall that I've had a couple of other endurance athletes on the show. It's been great learning from their experiences, as I'm sure we'll learn from Luis today, And why have I been having these folks on? It's because I see these endurance experiences as analogous to our own career journeys, which are, I believe, an endurance event in themselves. So with that, Luis, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Kathy. I am very happy and excited to be here today.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd love to start I often start this way uh, with people that I have on the show by having you share a little bit about your own career journey. You've had multiple experiences and have held different roles in different industries from consulting to academia. It's been an interesting career journey coupled with navigating your health experiences. So this is a big question because I think your experiences have been varied, but I'm curious if you can share a little bit on where you started and what has brought you to your current work as an executive coach.
1: Uh, um, wow, that's a lot of the question. This, this, this is very long. I hope that you have enough time. <laughs> <to> <laughs> I know. Uh, so uh, I, I started in, uh, I was born in Guatemala, Central America, uh, in a time in which it was very violent for that part of the world, uh, political violence. Uh, I grew up in the middle of the Cold War, um, and uh, the United States and Russia never fired a, um, a bullet in their countries, but the battlegrounds were in Latin America. So my country was uh, part of the battlefield. So having said that, you know, uh, um, it was it was very, for lack of a better word, traumatic for some people, you know, I mean, as kids, you know, we will have bets about whose parent or whose uncle was going to disappear. Uh, it was that hard. Uh, on top of that, you know, I live on. Uh, we were, you know, very poor. Uh, when, when you think about you know, when they say the dirt poor, that's exactly how I live. A house didn't have uh, floors; it was just dirt. Um, having said that, you know, I remember going through all of that, and I realized that I really had a happy, happy childhood. You know, very. I was very happy. My parents were always positive, very encouraging. Uh, uh, and I always think about that, realize that my, how can I put this? I, I always was thinking, what is next for me? And I always was thinking, this is not it. I know there is something else. I, was, I wasn't sure what was that in, but I just, I remember going through, you know, as, as, as a child, uh, um, just dreaming about stuff that I didn't even realize you know what was going on or what uh, what 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 that was was going to be um, when the war ended you know the 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 United States and other countries in the world established a scholarship fund and it was called scholarship for peace and I was happy I happened to be selected to come to the United States and go to school so I went to a community college uh, in California and what did that to me was transformational Uh, in the terms that when i came here i realized oh my gosh there is a different world outside where i live and not only that but also gave me a view of what was possible from an individual perspective i could do this i could do that i could do many things so uh, uh i went back home as part of my you know a commitment to the scholarship fund uh, I spent some time there, but then immediately started looking for ways to come back. And I was um, uh, again, you know, at that time I couldn't afford to, you know, to, to, to do this on my own, so I had to rely on the scholarships. And I got a scholarship to attend uh, uh, Florida A&M University. So for those who um, uh, Florida A&M University is, at a, is a historically black university, um, I live in the dorms, and I got uh, my bachelor's. And uh, my master's from there, and uh, and then I went to uh, get on a PhD. That became my my dream to become a professor. Became a professor at Michigan State University in fungal genetics. In the process, I got married. In the process, you know, uh, I built a house and got a dog. And then the world sometimes you know doesn't well, uh, doesn't work the way you want it to work. Uh, in two thousand and five, was I was diagnosed with a brain tumor so when i came back for the brain tumor uh, operation and all of that stuff and then uh i survived the tumor but neither my professional dreams nor my marriage did so i had to reinvent myself i had to figure out what else i needed to do and uh uh, so i started looking for other alternatives like he did not i at that time i was even considering becoming a, a greeter at walmart You know, maybe sell insurance or or sell car insurance. Not because I couldn't do my job anymore, but I wasn't wasn't motivated to do that anymore. And I needed to figure out what else could I do. Uh, uh, And uh, uh, so I started, you know, doing a couple of things and uh, nothing stuck. I realized that it only takes one person to challenge you, to give an opportunity to help you. Uh, I found that person in a friend of mine who used to work in a consulting company. And uh, uh, he said, you know, Luis, you know, I asked him for a job, you know, and he said, well, what are you gonna do? You know, we are a human resources company. You have a PhD in molecular biology and biochemistry. You have no experience working in organizations. W- what can you do for us? And, and my, 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 my answer was, you know, you." Do a lot of uh, uh, organizational diagnostics, uh, meaning you know organizational uh, surveys. The numbers are numbers. I work with numbers. you know it's the the information is only thing the varies, You know, so basically, I saw the idea that I could do things for them based on what I have learned in the past. Finally, you know he said, well, yeah, that's interesting. I think that we can you know hire you then you know, after these three or four months of communication with him. And he said, "But there's a caveat. The caveat is that you have to go to Saudi Arabia. And at that time, if you remember, we were in the middle of um, a Middle East war. And uh, so people were leaving Saudi Arabia and the Middle East. And here I am going in there. Uh, And going back to, you know, to the idea that there is only one person that can make a difference in your life. That became my mantra let's put it away because i want to be that person for as many people as i can and that is why i became a coach because i know that i have a direct influence on individuals and a lot of times what i try to do is to transform their lives the way people have transformed mine Um, so i came in 2000 uh, back to the stage in 2007 and uh, uh, i continue working in 2000 12, I was at the best ship of my life. I just finished running 100 miles. It's called the Western States 100. Uh, I visited my neurosurgeon for, you know, for, for, I don't remember how long. And then, boom, I realized that uh, the tumor had come back. So I had to go through the uh, uh, operation again. And I was afraid that I was going to, it was going to be like the first time around, Uh, uh, losing my wife. And I'm married now I'm married again and losing my job. But actually none of that happened. But actually one thing happened is I I the company let me go. So I decided, you know what, I need to figure out what else I need to do. And thank God I had a very supportive wife. And then uh, I started looking for another job. And I was sitting on an interview when a uh, the person that was interviewing me told me, hey Luis, um we're not gonna hire you. You don't fit in this organization and not to mention that you don't have the right, you know, uh, 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 profile, but y- you wouldn't succeed here. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because I am I don't I, I don't want to be here, too. <laughs> I am I'm living. So I'm looking for someone to help me uh, transition. Will you be interested in helping me? And I'm like, absolutely. And a little light came in my head. It's like I'm going to start looking for clients instead of jobs. And that was since then. And uh, uh, now I've been fortunate enough to coach for the most, uh, some of the most amazing companies in, in, in the United States. I coach for Amazon, uh, uh, Google, uh, uh, Meta, uh, Genentech, Twitter, uh and um, a variety of other companies. And I am loving what I do. Um, so yeah, so that's that's pretty much the you know the, the short version of my story. Yes,
0: yes, and there's so much packed in there, and yet so many fabulous themes and I'm going to call it a couple, but I'm going to circle back and ask, ask you because, you know, I love even from, cause we're going to talk more about resilience, but I, you know, there's so much in your story that speaks to that. But I also love that, like, even from a time of childhood that you were already kind of thinking and consistently thinking like, what's next for me? And it almost is like that theme has carried through your adult life as you've gone through your career journey and your life journey. And then I love this like, idea that like you change your surroundings and your you change your horizons by opening, like coming to the United States and being exposed to new things and seeing new possibilities. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and unless we expose ourselves to new things, it's hard for us to understand like, oh, what is possible out there? And then, you know, you consistently kind of when you had different challenges come come up, you know. Had to say, well, what's next? If it's not that, if I'm, and, and you even brought up this idea of like, well, I'm not motivated anymore by that. So what what do I look for next? And this continual reinvention, and a couple of things that you also noted were like leveraging people, you know, in terms of, but in a really productive way, right? Not using people, but like community is so important during these times of transition. And then the other thing I really sense too is like. It, a tremendous amount of courage, Luis, like, you know, this, the idea of courage comes up a lot on the podcast and especially people that have taken non-traditional paths, but you were faced with a lot of different challenges throughout your lifetime from being a child to this time of adulthood. And I'm curious, like, where did you find that courage? Like, obviously you've done endurance events. Okay. So there's a lot of strength and fortitude in that. We'll get to resilience, but I'm curious if there's, is that like innate within your personality? Do you think, or- how did you kind of have the courage to kind of each time you might have had a challenge come up, kind of be able to face that?
1: You know, that comes along with a lot of, uh, of, of the clients that I, that I, that I, um, that I coach is the idea that what makes you take risks? How, what is that you need to do in order to take risks? And I think that the way I see it is that in order for me to take a risk, I need to have options. And a lot of times, when people are feel that they have no options, that feel that they're stuck, is when they cannot move forward. You see what I'm saying? So when I said you know you have to have options, you need to figure out what options do you have, and the minute you have a series of options, it's easier to step into that. You see what I'm saying? So I usually say you know like, hey, listen, you know what are the what three things can you do about this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's let's change this. You know, like, I mean, you have a toxic boss. Okay, so big deal. You know, what what options do you have? And the key here a lot of times is that we focus on the wrong problem. So in other words, if you think about this, I'm going back to, you know, you have a toxic boss and that becomes the problem that you need to solve. You cannot solve for a toxic boss. So so it's like, okay, what options do you have? You know, well, I can move companies. I can uh, t- uh, look for a, um, a you know a lateral transfer, or I can work with him and figure out how how I can work with him. So there are options. So the minute we have an option, then it is more likely that we're gonna take a risk. So that's number one. The other thing that allows us to take the risk is also the in inact- or I haven't they they believe that we will be successful. It's say yeah you have options but you know but okay so which one is this, the one that I feel that I'll be more that I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a be successful so when you have those two combinations then it's easier for you to to, to, to step in, to step out of your comfort zone and take a risk
0: mm-hmm.
1: that has been my experience um, does that make sense
0: it does yeah and I, yeah, I was going to ask you about you know you are an optimistic person that was my experience of you uh-huh. when we chatted before and my sense is you bring that level of energy and optimism to your clients as well. And what I'm hearing, in part of this belief to be around being successful is that, is it how you think about it that it's also bringing this optimistic mindset to it or is there more to it? Uh,
1: so, so yeah, I think that optimism is a, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big, big, big part of being resilient. And, you know, there are many ways to define resilience. And the way I define resilience is, is by an, an, an equation that I have, that I created. It's called, what I say is resilient is commitment plus persistence times optimism. When I say times optimism, it's because it is a multiplier. So if you're optimistic, you, you're going to be more resilient. Now, the optimism is not a... Uh, it's a component of, but it's not the only thing. You see what I'm saying? So then you have the commitment. The commitment is about, I'm gonna do this. I have to do it. It's like when you said, you know, I'm committed to my wife, you know, it doesn't matter until until we die. You know, we're committed to the idea. The persistence is the the realization that it's not gonna be easy. So I'm gonna be persistent, meaning that I realize that it's not gonna be easy, but I have a direction and I'm committed. So those are three things for me that has worked the most. So being committed to the idea, being persistent and, and being optimistic. So just being optimistic is like just having goals with no legs. Mm. That's the way I see it. Does that, mm. does that answer your question?
0: It does. It does. And I'm I'm curious because it's interesting to hear you talk about commitment and this idea of like, I want to do this. And one of the questions I was going to ask you is like, how do you think about ambitions or setting the next goal or aspiration within this context of resilience? And is that where you would put this idea of commitment? Like, and it's important for people, if you want to be resilient, to be clear on what's important to you. Like, awesome. what do you want to be committed to?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from a personal perspective, I think that you know I, I have a big commitment to my family right now, yeah. You know, and uh, but I also have a big commitment to my uh, to myself and what fulfills me. And those two things become right now what I call my my uh, my purpose and my focus. My purpose is to help as many people as I can through coaching. But my focus right now is my family. So that's the commitment that I make to those two things. You see, what I'm saying so that's that's what I that's what I get commitment from. Uh, the persistence. I realized that day, hey, you know, I have to, you know, have to do business development. I have to do X. I have to do Y. You know, but the aspiration is that at the end of the goal, at the end of the day, my family will be, you know, financially stable, and I'm gonna be helping out as many people as I can, and I'm gonna be recognized as one of the best coaches in the world. Let's put it that way. So I think that for me is you know so l- l- for instance you know one of the things that I want to do one of the goals that I want to do is to be a a, a recognized expert on resilience uh, uh, so that's that that's that's the, that's the direction and that is my the, the optimism I you know 10 years from now I'm be recognized as a, as a as an authority a world authority on resilience and uh, and coaching executives you know? In order for me to do that, I have what I call the bets. What are the big bets that I have in order to get there? And the big bets are like more like smart goals. So number one is I need to write a book. Number two is I need to have at least 10 articles per year in, in hype uh, uh, publications, you know, HBR or whatnot. And number three is I need to network with people that are influential in that field that they can see me as a collaborator and they can invite me in projects. So those are my three big bets, you see what I'm saying? Underneath that, then I have uh, the, you know, the, 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 the immediate goals. All right, this year, I'm gonna write three articles. This year, I'm gonna write, uh, finish my different manuscript. This year, I'm gonna do X. And underneath that are what I call the habits. You know, like right now I'm writing 500 words a day you know, I'm gonna make three calls to network. So you can see that there is an order to my madness, let's put it that way. The aspirational goal is the direction. The strategy is I need to write a book, I need to publish on higher publications and I need to network with high, you know, with individuals that are, you know, uh, 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 that can see me as collaborators. And um, so that's, that's that's. I don't know if that's what you were asking.
0: But, yeah. I, no, it's great. I mean, and part of what I, I do appreciate that because I think I was asking you, Luis, how, like, how do you define that commitment or how, you get, how do you get to that yeah. commitment? And also, if I go back to what you shared prior to that, what I love about what you shared is also, it's very, to me, squarely in this idea of sustainable ambition <laughs> and how I think about it. Because what I heard you say is you're holding at the same moment, a very aspirational goal around, hey, I am both, both two things that you actually shared. One, your purpose of wanting to help as many people as possible as an executive coach. And then the second being, I want to be seen as a recognized expert around resilience. And yet you also said, and yet my focus right now and one of my key commitments is my family. And you can hold both of those I'm taking away at the same time. Oh. And I'm... And I think a lot of people struggle with that, right? And so I'm curious if you can share a little bit more about how you do hold those two things at the same time, and if when you even think about your own, do you think about it as a resilience, or how do you, like how do you play with like holding those two core like priorities for you, and maintaining both being ambitious and also making your life plus work sustainable.
1: Uh, I think that in order for, for me to you know to have to have those two those two are very important for me. And if I if those two things are important for me, I am going to commit to those, and I want to find a way to to, to to make them work. What has worked for me is two things uh, with my family. Is one of them is being present, and what I mean by that is a lot of us don't have those real. Uh, uh, um, parameters and or um, uh, boundaries around what we're trying what we're doing in that moment you see, so uh, a few years ago uh, uh my uh somebody asked my little girl at that time she was about four i think or four or five you know I said, what does your mommy do there was no question about what her mommy did you know she, oh she's a doctor you know that's it and what's your daddy do and she said She's a phoner. He's a phoner. I'm like a what? A phoner? A, a what? A person that uses the phone all the time. Right. <laughs> and I am like, oh my gosh, you know. So, so that is. So to me, I I, I use that. To, oh, I have to do something about this. So now, what I did, what I did as a result of that is like, you know, the minute time with my family, I put away all the things that are might be distractions about work, so I can be totally with them. And the same thing with with people at work as well you know when i am present i'm present with them and i think that a lot of times if you think about this if you remember you know like the little distractions are the ones that are most amplified not the ones that have the most effect on 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 other people's perceptions and i can see that with my wife sometimes you know we're at dinner and then we were having a great conversation and then you know i do you know i some, something and then she said, well why do you do that that now becomes the, the 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 focus you know what I'm saying so I think that that's one thing being present the other thing that that I think that has helped me for me is to realize how much is enough and how much I can push myself at that particular moment so when I mean how much is enough is I, I'm going to talk about. a perspective, you know, like I, I have a number of commitments that I cannot ignore, you know, the mortgage, the insurance, the school and all of those things, you know, once that thing is is fulfilled, you know, like everything else is like, great, you know, we're making a progress there, but I don't want to make the, you know, I don't want to just go in there and, and prioritize making money at the expense of my family. So I think that most importantly is what is enough, And it's okay for now to have a goal that is, you know, I'm going to do X. Once i reach that goal, then I'm going to do something else or I'm going to focus on something else.
0: So I'm taking away like how you are able to hold both of those is both through being really present with your family and then also being really clear on what's enough. And I think that's around, that relates back to that ambition too, to some degree, right? Um, And kind of the specificity behind that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and, and,
1: and going back to the endurance, you know, uh, uh, you know, I think that we all want to grow, and we all want to succeed and be and 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 be off and be awesome, and because of that, we tend to uh, to take everything as a sprint, and not everything as is a sprint. You know, I mean, I remember, you know, uh, you know, running, you know, hundred miles, and three things will kill your race any race not in any race even one of them is uh taking care of your um uh taking care of your feet having the right nutrition and having the right pacing how fast are you going so translate that to you know to to the entrepreneurial or to work environment you know Uh, uh uh pacing is like you don't have to get everything at once you know there is time for you know you have to make sure that to, to be realistic of how fast you can grow and, and uh, that's number one the other one is uh, 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 nutrition is are you consuming the right content you know are you you know are you re- are you reading are you acquiring new skills are you learning new things that will help you to 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 accelerate the uh, pace and finally is that uh, taking care of your fitness about what i call is like taking care of your resources and, and what do you have right now and, uh, and 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 that includes relationships and unfortunately a lot of us and i've seen with my clients that they're so focused on work that they just start um at this, i don't want to say neglecting the personal connections neglecting the the family neglecting the, the the people that care about them the most so so yeah so that's uh, that's what i think
0: That's great. No. And there's plenty of research too, that demonstrates that it's our, the people in our lives at the end of life where you say like what's, what's made people happy. It's really those individuals and those relationships. So they do, you know, ideally need attention, right? So I wanted to build on where you were just going in terms of the idea of these elements of focusing on resilience. And one of the things I was wondering about, you know, you've, in your life, Louise, as well as the fact that you've done all these endurance events have had things that have asked you to be resilient in a way, right? Or you've challenged yourself to be resilient. And so you've learned over time. And I'm curious what you think about, can people cultivate resilience for themselves? So you have an equation, but I mean, how do people, how do you, do you have any counsel around for people around that? How do they practice building resilience?
1: Um, I think that uh, you know. I'm, I, I think that I shared with you earlier that I'm writing a book, and the book is called Ordinary Resilience, and how uh, successful leaders how successful leaders adapt and thrive. And my premise is that we are already resilient. What we need to do is to unlock the resilience. That we don't need a, a, a going through cancer or losing the, a limb. To realize that you're resilient, you know a lot of a lot of times in my case, you know when you say you know how you choose to do that is because I had no choice. I had to do that. Instead, I'm saying I had to do it. And I think that the key here is that resilience is not something that you acquire. It's something that you unlock within yourself. And it starts by doing the three things that I mentioned. Is is number one is like looking for options and everything that you do. Uh, uh taking care of your you know of, of the relationships. You know. uh, the other thing that I think that is key is about also is pushing yourself more. So in other words, you know, uh, the way I the way I tell people is like if you're comfortable all the time, uh, 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 you know, pushing yourself, you need to be uncomfortable. There is one, but I need to be authentic. That's what I say. I need to be authentic. And there is an incredible paper that I read not long ago. It's called the authenticity paradox. And the authenticity paradox says that in order for you to be, you know, the the it, the paradox is that if you are authentic, you're not growing because you're not you're not pushing yourself out of your out of your comfort zone. You see what I'm saying? So 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 the idea here is that being authentic doesn't mean No, sticking to your authenticity might be a way to keep you where you are when you don't want to be where you are.
0: Mm, that's interesting. Do you think that's a self sabotage thing, Luis? Is it's that what you mean? Sabotage. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I hear all the time. Oh, this is the way I am. I'm from the East Coast. That's the way I am. You know. <laughs> uh, and I think that the key here is like, you know, yes, it's great that you know how you are, but that doesn't mean that you are going to stay that way if you choose to do something differently. And we, have, we all have the capacity to get better. But the most important thing is that, A, we need to want it, and B, you can see the, 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 uh, uh, the, the, the benefit of doing it.
0: I really appreciate you giving that example because I think in my own brain, I was also kind of conflicted with like, huh, why are people getting tripped up on this authenticity thing? And and partly because I was in my own mind too, maybe thinking about it as, as more like resilient to circumstances or resilient in taking on a challenge or or a goal. And yet part of what I'm hearing you say in this authenticity aspect of it is that us being locked in certain ways of being and seeing ourselves in a certain through a certain lens really holds us back on in many of uh, these other you know things that we are trying to achieve and so it's it's a huge insight, you know, to kind of be like you are seeing yourself in a way such that you don't think that you can change and behave differently and show up differently, which is huge for leadership, right? Absolutely. But it's also huge for how you function in your life and for anything that you're looking and hoping to achieve.
1: Probably. And I think that the key here, if I can add, is about being intentional about how you want to show up. And I'll give you an, a personal example, and I, I think that I've, I've seen it with so many leaders too. Like the authentic me, when you know looking back, you know I grew up in a small you know country. I came to the United states, and I, I I I was I'm I'm still I'm I am still a person that is always intimidated. You know I'm always uh, uh, I want to become invisible. I don't want to attract the attention. You see know what I'm saying? I don't I don't I don't want to do that. If I keep doing that, if I would do that, I will not be the person that I am today. My intention every time that I step into a room with people is I'm going to be as helpful as I can today. So that allows me to start looking for opportunities to add value. Mm -hmm. So I just was talking to a a client of mine and she was having, you know, some issues that, you know, I, I want to say something. My boss wants me to show up and I don't know how. So we started thinking about this and I said, you know, listen, what roles are in this particular group? And she was, what do you mean? Well, you know, is there a supporter? Is there a devil's advocate? Is there a contrarian? Is there, you know, what can you describe? And we went to the number of people and, and the, 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 the one element that wasn't present is a, a, a person that uh, elevated others. So I said, that's how you need to show up. All the other roles are filled. You need to go in with something that is different, that is that, that 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 is going to elevate people. Basically, you know, help people, but also the the unintended outcome is that you're gonna show up. So she started doing that. Now she's looking for opportunities to elevate others, looking for opportunities to you know, do. Oh, that was great. And things started to shift for her. But you see what I'm saying? It's about the intentionality. How do you want to show up?
0: I love that. And it's interesting because even with me, with some of my clients, I talk about this. Who do you want to be in a certain conversation? And they often get tripped up with that language. And and then I have to come at it a slightly different way, right? And it's kind of like, yes, what's your intention in that conversation? Who do you want to be in that conversation? And I think I share with, with leaders as well, this idea of, you know, who, who do you want to be in the room? You know, what voice do you want to be in the room? Just as you're saying, Lisa, I think it's, and what I appreciate about that example you just gave is like having such clarity for somebody that that is the voice you can be in the room. And absolutely. If you're the person that's consistently showing up and what a powerful, you know, intention, totally. right. For her, yeah. like, you know, and it gives you focus. It's it's a much more positive way to come into a, a you know, conversation and being with a team yeah. and what have you, and really coming in to add value.
1: Totally. And then you're not thinking about, oh my God, I haven't said anything in three minutes. I need to say something. As opposed to looking for the opportunities and taking those opportunities when they come. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that 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 is intentionality is being intentional about how, not only how you want to show up, but what do you want to be known for?
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Yes. So that's
1: another way I ask that question is, how do you want to be? What do you want to be known for? Oh, I want to be known because I am, next, well, short away. Right. Right.
0: right. I love it. So, and this is the Luis, like your enthusiasm, right? This is what you get when you're working with you, which is um, it's, it's contagious. So I love it. Um, Yes. Yes. I wanted to ask you too about self-compassion. And I'm curious if this relates to this, the idea of authenticity or when people get stuck in this, but I need to be authentic or this is just who I am. Is that how you think about self-compassion or does self-compassion have a role in resilience?
1: You know, I think that resilience, if you think about this, is, is one of the components of resilience is about, you know, like making sure that you get down and you get up and you keep on going. And what's so the way I see self-compassion is a permission that I give myself not to be perfect. So I realized that a lot of times, you know, uh, uh, we always want to be, we always look for perfection. And we always and, 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 and when we're not perfect, then, you know, our, our ego and everything starts to decrease, you know, our value of ourselves starts to decrease. Which the way to contradict that is being self-compassionate, being self-compassionate, is I give myself permission mm. not to be perfect. So that gives me fuel to try again. So I think that's also compassion is, well, I, 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 it's, for me, it's one of the bastions of, of, of the work that I do as a person is, uh, not everything that I do is going to be perfect and that's okay.
0: I presume given the names of the companies you work with and the individuals and the levels that you work with, like how much, I, I almost can just presume like you have to remind a lot of these individuals to give themselves compassion. Is that? an accurate view, or, or do you find that leaders today have a little bit more self-compassion for themselves?
1: You know, there is some, I think that there is a lot of, uh, 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 yes, absolutely. The, the answer to that is yes. The, 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 what I wanted to add is that uh, a lot of times uh, there are certain words that don't resonate with many, many, many leaders. Self-compassion is a word that doesn't, it's too soft, doesn't mm. resonate uh, uh building relationships you know it's is not a word that resonates a lot with a lot of them but being influential is so for me is try to understand the clients and try to understand what motivates them and what words will resonate with them so if you want to be influential you need to move people and if you need to be people you need to be you know to relate to them so i i weave those things in a way that resonate with them Rather than telling me you need to be so compassionate and say, I don't want do to. Vulnerability is another word that people don't want to talk about, you know. And, and so I, you know, I, I, I try to understand what are the motivate, what, what, what motivates them. And then I use their words to motivate them with the concept.
0: So another thing that I want to bring in here and just get your perspective on given how strongly you feel about resilience is, and I do too, I talk about with sustainable ambition is an example in my lexicon and how I apply it to the work that I do. And my thinking is this idea of like, you know, don't focus on building work-life balance. Cause I think that that's not the right goal. And it's, it's not really something that's achievable because it's rare that everything is in equilibrium. And instead I say, I would focus more on building life plus work resilience, but I was reading something recently, and this person was talking about people who are experiencing burnout. And she was saying in her writing that there's this idea of like toxic resilience today, where it's almost like asking people to be overly resilient, you know, in the face of some of the challenges that we're facing today. And I just thought I'd ask you if you have any perspective on that. If you think that it, if there are times when, um, I think in in my interpretation of that, it's almost like more so not being aware of of an individual who might be struggling and saying to them, just buck up, you know, or like, you know, be, be strong through this. Um, right. In, in in it kind of ignoring kind of what's really there as opposed to that like there's being really truly anything wrong with resilience, yeah. right? Um, but I, I thought I'd just see if you had any thoughts on that.
1: Well, I, I think that I think that there is a time and place for saying you're just just stuffing you know and get ready but that is not the only measures that she needs to bring or he needs to bring by the way you know I can see that you're struggling let's let's take a let's let's figure out how you can get out of this situation you see and start helping that individual to see that they have options so so telling them about you know that you need to like toughen up and just do the work I think that that doesn't build resilience at all at all you know uh, uh, what build resilience is, okay, so now, you know, what what options do you have and how are you going to get out of here? So going back to, you know, a, a lot of times resilience is is confused with, with, uh, with what you mentioned, you know, for lack of other words, with endurance. I think that that is just one element of resilience. The, to, for me, the way I see a, a, a continual resilience is number one is survival, which is what you mentioned, you know, like, I mean, I, I have to toughen up. The next one is adapting. You know, like okay, so now what can I do to make things easier here? You know, and then the, the third one is thriving, mm-hmm. doing the things not as a res, not as a, 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 a as a as a result of the situation, but because of the situation. You see what I'm saying? So looking back in my case, you know, I mean I, I think about it and I say now. Gosh, you know, going through that brain tumor and that divorce and all of those things, that's the things that made me today. So a question that I usually ask people is like, hey, what can you do today? So three years from now, you can say that this crisis that you're going through right now is the best thing that happened to your career. So again, you know, the idea is that acknowledging the times that are present, but also Helping them to see the options and, and 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 a path forward and an aspirational goal, so they can see what is ahead of them. One thing that I, you know, one thing that I've seen is that a lot of times people get stuck because they don't see the possibilities. And when you are in a crisis and when you are on 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 uh, uh, in uh, harder times, you have no time to see the possibilities. You all you will just focus on surviving. So going back to your manager, it's like, toughen up. It's a great message, but it has to be complemented with, let's figure out how. what are the possibilities and let's figure out how can you get out of this.
0: Yeah, I love that, I love that. And it brings us back to kind of where we started in some of these sense of like seeing possibilities, focusing people on options and getting them move, moving forward and getting inspired actually. Oh amidst being in crisis. So it's really interesting. So this has been fabulous, Lise. To wrap up, I want to see if I can get two quick questions in as as wrap-ups. One is when you look back on your own career experience, if there's any high-level tips that you would say as people go through their journey and go from experience to experience and might have to shift or reinvent themselves, is there some counsel or wisdom that you would share around that?
1: I think that there are two things. Uh, 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 Number one is, these are easy questions, by the way. Number one, I think that the world doesn't belong to the people that know the most, but the people that learn the fastest. So the key here is to see what you have learned and how you can apply that in the next place that you're going. You don't need to know everything about what the next job is going to be as long as you have enough experiences that are transferable to where you're going to be. So that's number one. The number two, I think that is is for me, is about taking care of your relationships, knowing that the biggest lie that I have heard in my life is I am a self-made man or I'm a self-made man or a self-made woman. That is not such a thing. We always have the opportunity. We always have, you know, uh, we have to rely on others uh, to get where we are. So 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 so, I think that there are five relationships that we need to that we need to focus on and always cultivate: is the mentor, the uh, uh, the mentee, someone that you're helping, uh, the 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 um the competitor, you know, not necessarily to to take away from what he or she is having, but rather is I can do that too, and the, the partner, you know, the person that you can you know, they can help each other. Yeah. so, so, so those are the, yeah, so yeah, those are.
0: Yeah, that's fabulous. Thank you. And then my final question is just a parting thought or takeaway. We've been talking about resilience. This is an entire conversation, but if you wanted to just punctuate or leave our listeners with one final thought on that, where might you point them?
1: I think that the biggest thing is that resilience is not something that is tangible, but it's rather is a mindset. And it comes from the idea that, you already have everything that you need to take the first step or the next step in your journey. That's it. Mm. You know, you just take the next step and take the next. And the key here is to understanding, you know, what that next step is and just going back, have the options. You already have everything that you need to to, to, to move forward.
0: Mm, I love that. Luis, this has been a fabulous conversation. Thank you so much. What can we do for you? Where can people find you to keep in touch or to get in touch?
1: Well, thank you. I, You know, I, I, LinkedIn is one. Uh, I have a website, uh, uh, bellascoaching.com. Uh, yeah. So those are the two. um,
0: Fabulous. I will connect to that. I will also connect to in the show notes, just the writing that you do as well. I know you had a fabulous Fast Company article that just recently came out as well on time management, which I think is fabulous that people should check out. So I'll capture that in the show notes as well.
1: There is one that I just that I published on HBR and it just made it to a book up there. It's about uh, uh, taking charge of your career. And he talks about relationships, mm. uh, well, uh, I will share that link with you because I think that that is key uh, 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 in order to, you know, to, 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 to go where we want to be is to leverage the relationships that we have with others.
0: That's great. I'm being That's...
1: strategic about building those.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly, fabulous. Well, and I will also point to people that your book will be coming out hopefully later this year and we'll be all be excited for that to learn more and dig deeper into resilience with you, Luis. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice-monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.